The Caps after the All-Star break with Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington next on Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. My name is Dan Holm. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So in this edition of Locked On Capitals, we are joined once again by Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington as we talk about the Caps after the All-Star break. Ovi at the All-Star game and the new deal for Sonny Milano and Dylan Strom. Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Hope you enjoyed your break. I did. I hope you did as well. Uh, but certain Capitals were busy, most notably Alex Ovechkin at the All-Star game. Uh, it was kind of a uh, special moment out there, I guess I got to say, as you saw his son Sergei out there with him and uh, just, you know, Ovechkin and Crosby working together. What were your thoughts uh, on the All-Star game? Yeah, you know, definitely a weird uh, sight to see with Crosby and, and Ovechkin sharing the ice together, both in that breakaway challenge and in the all-star game as well. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's cool to see these two guys that have been rivals for so long throughout their careers now showing this uh, mutual admiration for each other. You know, they've been in the league a long time. They're entering maybe not the twilight of their career yet, but certainly the, the latter half now. Uh, and they've gained some perspective on their places in league history. And I think that both of them have recognized uh, greatness uh, in each other and it's really cool to see so for for them to bring out Sergei Ovechkin you know definitely one of the best moments uh, of this entire weekend and I think that Crosby and Ovechkin together is, is probably the enduring image that fans will have of this all-star game. Yeah, just kind of a cool moment out there to see Sergey out there, his young kid. And I guess if he stays on that same trajectory, if he's skating that well at that age, uh, I think he might give his dad a run for the money at some point. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it was just a cool thing. So there is a lot of talk about out there about the All-Star game. You know, you see the Pro Bowl and the All-Star game in baseball. It's kind of lost favor a little bit with some of the fans. What are the, some of the things that you like about the All-Star game? Um, for me personally, I like the skills competition more than the actual game itself. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think certainly, you know, the, the skills competition, the hardest shot, fastest skater, things like that. People, fans have looked forward to that for years. And, and you see across other sports, the home run derby, the three-point competition, the dunk contest, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, fans love them. And uh, certainly, you know, the, the NHL has had a, a wide range of different positions, which allows for a wide range of different skills competitions. So I think for them to lean into that is, is great. Uh, and then the all-star game itself, you know, I do miss the five on five uh, format just a little bit, just because, you know, that's the hockey that we're used to watching, but certainly the three on three allows for, for more goal scoring. And uh, we saw plenty of it uh, in those couple of games there uh, with the Atlantic division and the Ch Chuck brothers, uh, you know, leading the way. Uh, so I thought it was a lot of fun uh, overall, a good weekend. And certainly, uh, you know, I think the NFL could, uh, which they, they banned the game altogether this year and, and went all in on the skills competition. I didn't watch it personally, uh, but I know that it kind of got some lukewarm reception. So 
uh, maybe they can learn a thing or two from the NHL in that regard. And it's one of the things uh, I think that, you know, the players play kind of half cocked because they don't want to get injured because these games have, you know, virtually zero impact on anything other than to just kind of showcase the brand out there. But ultimately, uh, one of the things you're writing here is the Atlantic beats the Metro 10 to six behind the efforts of the Kachuk brothers. Um, I watched a bit of it just because it is a bit of a, a long game to watch. And again, a game that doesn't have uh, a lot of impact, shall we say. So one of the things they're talking about, about the all-star games in general, is it's about growing the brand, getting more people interested in hockey. But what, there was an interesting piece that came out here talking about the viewership for NHL games on television is at an all-time low. And this is the second year of the ESPN deal. For me, what it has to do is it has to do with blackouts. It has to do with trying to figure out which platform to watch. Am I watching this on the NHL network or ESPN? And if I don't have any of those networks, I guess I'm going to have to go to some sort of illegal means to watch the game. I mean, it seems like to a certain extent, the NHL is shooting itself in the foot by putting a lot of roadblocks out there for people that just want to watch the games that they want to watch. Not everyone uh, has that luxury of attending a game in person. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's a, a league, a sports-wide problem, really, with, uh, you know, sports are, it's particularly hockey, baseball, basketball, they're, they're regional games. There are a lot of fans are, are really only interested in the teams around them um, and, and not being able to, to watch your team, you know, by your preferred method can certainly be a roadblock uh, to making that happen. And, you know, not having, uh, you know, a league pass kind of set up as well uh, where you can watch your own team as well as others. You know, there's there's a lot of things that can be done here. And I think that, you know, overall, uh, the NHL is a, a, a brand that wants to be growing more and, and certainly is pumping resources into that. Uh, and I'm interested to see, you know, what they try and do from here, because there's certainly a lot of work to be done. I think anyone can tell you that. Yeah, because it's just one of the things that's frustrating for me is I want to watch the game at tonight and I live outside uh, the D.C. market. So if I'm trying to watch it on ESPN Plus, then all of a sudden I find it's on NHL Network. And then, you know, if that doesn't work, then you have to go to ESPN and that thing. So it does make it a bit frustrating uh, going forth uh, with that. It, it just remains to be seen. If you're paying for a service like back before I had NHL.TV and it had pretty much all the games included on it. If you're paying for a service, doesn't it stand to reason that you should be able to watch the games that you want to watch? Yeah, I mean, MLB TV, that's been one of my biggest gripes is not being able to watch the Nationals, you know, on, on that network. And they haven't even had any kind of streaming service. I mean, just last season was the first time they introduced any kind of streaming and it was only available for direct TV customers and a couple of obscure cable networks. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't able to watch it. Uh, and now... You know, personally, I've switched to, to YouTube TV. I've cut the cord completely uh, and I won't. It doesn't have mass in. So I don't even know what right. I'm going to be able to do to watch Nationals games. So this is something that, you know, is not just individual to hockey, not just individual to D.C. There's every single city has its own set of problems that it's dealing with. And you'd love for some kind of blanket solution to, to bring it all together and, you know, focus on the, the growth of the brand itself and and just spreading hockey, you know, to anyone who wants to watch it, because ultimately, you know, that that should be. You know, the goal of any sport is to to get your your game in front of as many fans as possible at as young an age as possible uh, and, and allow them to the game to grow organically like that. All right. So after the break here, we are going to talk about the big news during the All-Star break. And the biggest news for me is the new deals for Milano and Strom. Two huge deals uh, for this Capitals team. We'll talk about that after the break. 
This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make on betting sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sports app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get your paid your winnings earned instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this episode, we are joined by Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. So the Caps were busy during the All-Star break. They signed, re-signed, shall we say, two players, two big players. Uh, the first one we'll talk about here is Sonny Milano, a guy that uh, didn't work out in Calgary. He was on a PTO, and the Caps picked him up on a bargain basement deal, $775,000 if memory serves. They signed him to a three year deal talk to me a little bit about the Sonny Milano deal I love it yeah you know Sonny had a, a tumultuous offseason uh, didn't get the qualifying offer from Anaheim and then doesn't get at a single contract in free agency has to settle for a professional tryout with the Calgary Flames doesn't make their team out of camp gets cut and ultimately gets pushed through waivers and sent down to the AHL with the capital so you know not where he thought he was going after you know, 14 goal, 20 assist season with Anaheim a year ago. But that's that was the path that Milano's career took him. And the Capitals gave him a chance and he's kind of run away with it, honestly. I mean, he's played 40 games uh, since coming up, you know, been a, a fixture uh, in the Capitals lineup ever since. And, you know, I think he's been a really impressive player, uh, starting to earn more minutes on the power play, you know, creating chances. I really like his game vertically. He, he creates a lot of uh, space. I've, I've been a big fan of his game ever since he arrived. And, you know, for the Capitals to lock him up at an AAV of just $1.9 million, I mean, that's an absolute bargain. You know, not something that's really going to put any kind of dent uh, in your salary cap moving forward. And, you know, with him being 26 years old, 25 years old, I mean, one of the younger players now that the Capitals have locked up, uh, considering their their core uh, is on the aging side. Uh, that That's a very big move, especially with adding Dylan Strom as well. You know, those two guys now for the next three seasons uh, could be fixtures for this team and, and conceivably get even better. Uh, as their contracts go on. And it's just one of those deals that I like because like you were talking about, it doesn't have a lot of financial impact. And I ultimately think that's what the Caps are going to end up doing uh, even during the trade deadline. So according to Puckpedia, year one, 2.35 million. Year two, 1.9 million. Year three, 1.45 million. Uh, I mean, just some sound, uh, you know, GM by Brian McClellan out there, just, you know, finding him these diamonds in the rough that he has such a good thing of doing. Initially, the plan when Sonny Milano came to this team was that they were going to have him in Hershey. I remember listening to, you know, reading Twitter. People are like, oh, this depth move, uh, it doesn't really mean anything. But then you kind of saw what he had uh, when he was playing in the first couple games with the Capitals. I think he has a good nose for the puck, a really great playmaker. And if Alex Ovechkin has good things to say about you, I think that kind of locks you in as uh, being in a good position on this team. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, nobody's approval goes further, but uh, you know, he, he's been really impressive. I think that, you know, him getting top nine minutes skating on top six lines. I mean, it's clear that the Capitals have gained a lot of trust in him uh, that he has, you know, like you said, started off with very low expectations, but as the season has gone on, he's been earning more and more playing time. And certainly, you know, with a lot of potential changes coming this off season, a lot of guys on expiring contracts, uh, he could be moved even farther up in that rotation next year. So uh, this is not just a move, you know, for next season, but the next couple of years you know, with the Capitals and, and TJ Oshie's age and uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Tom Wilson is only signed through next season. So uh, they've got a, a lot of a lot of decisions to make uh, in the next couple of years as to where they want this core to go and, and how they want to continue to compete with, with Alex Ovechkin in tow. Uh, but now Sonny Milano is, is going to be a part of that. And I think that's an exciting prospect for Capitals fans because, like you said, the, the financial implications are not very high, but he still has a lot of potential or he could very much outplay that contract and make it look like an absolute steal. Yeah, you know, like I say, if you just take a look at it over historically, there was that deal with Conley and Devontae Smith-Pelly. It's just Brian McClellan has such a great nose for that. But the Milano deal comes 24 hours after the cap signed Strom. Washington now has nine forwards under contract for next season. O.V. Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Oshie, Mantha, Wilson, Strom, Milano, and Nick Dowd. Um, Snively and Beck Malenstein are also on one-way deals. So at least at the forward position, it seems like they have things pretty well locked down. I don't see them making any moves really in the forward position at the trade deadline. Is there something that you think on the forward core that needs to be addressed? Um, or do you think they're sitting pretty good right now? I think where they are right now, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, they certainly would like to see a little bit more scoring in general uh, and, and maybe getting somebody who is a score first player and, and shaking things up is, is certainly in play, but uh, I think they got to like where they are right now. They they've, really deep at the center position. A lot of their centers are able to play out on the wings, so they're able to spread those players around. They've got, obviously, Connor McMichael down in Hershey, if need be, and I think that's someone who maybe hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities, but certainly the Capitals uh, would be eager to give him an opportunity if, if injuries created a path for him. Alexi Protus as well uh, you know, has been kind of shuttling back and forth between the NHL and AHL the last couple of weeks, but uh, he's somebody who has shown a lot of promise, so I think organizationally they have to be pretty happy with their forward depth and and certainly going not just into this trade deadline but into the offseason. Uh, they've got to feel pretty good about you know where they're going to be the next couple of years. So equally, if not a greater re-signing for me, was Dylan Strom. Uh, Dylan Strom, I don't really get why the Blackhawks didn't give him a qualifying offer to re-sign with him, but I don't really care. Their loss is the Capitals' gain as they sign Dylan Strom uh, to a new contract. Um, just another great thing, a five-year contract extension at an annual salary cap of, of $5 million. A guy they brought in to fill the role of Nick Backstrom in his absence. I mean, let's face it, no one thought Backstrom was going to be back in January. They thought maybe the end of the season or the beginning of next season so it's kind of an interesting position for the caps they're like well we have this guy what are we going to do with him but he has played so well and he's versatile in the fact that he can play center or he can play on the wing position tell me talk to me a little bit about dylan strome and just the great impact he's had on this team yeah you know both milano and strome guys who weren't really wanted by their previous teams and now are getting extensions here midway through the following season. I mean, you know, if that is an indictment on those decisions, I don't know what else is. But Strom has been everything the Capitals could have hoped for. You know, they they signed him for $3.5 million, uh, and he's absolutely lived up to that this year, playing on the top line with Alex Ovechkin, which, uh, as you mentioned, you know, that's Backstrom's role for many years. 
Kuznetsov has held it in the past. It's an important position and one where you're going to have a lot of opportunities to get points. And Strom has done that. You know, he's been fantastic racking up the assists this year, scoring in his own right. He's been playing multiple positions, not just center and wing, but also on the power play, uh, playing several different spots uh, on that unit as well, first and second unit. I mean, he's been moved around so much. Uh, wherever the Capitals have needed him, he's really stepped up. And I think they've been thrilled with what he has brought to the table. And, you know, we mentioned center is a very deep position, but, uh, you know, with Lars Eller being a free agent this offseason, I think that there was a need to to add another center to their core. And, and certainly they do that with Strom now making $5 million. That, That's an investment, no doubt. That's He is uh, absolutely going to be relied on to be a key player for this team. But uh, you, you look at all the other players who are signed for at least the next three seasons, him and Milano are younger than everybody else by four years. I mean, that that should show you that their core now is starting to shift a little bit younger uh, and where you could see Strom really realize his potential in D.C. and maybe have the best years of his career with the Capitals. You got to think that this kind of spells the end of Lars Eller in Washington. I mean, his contract is up uh, at the end of this season here. I think the Caps would be best served to try to trade him at this point, don't you? Otherwise, if you wait till the offseason, he walks and the Caps get zero. But the tough thing about Lars Eller is he's kind of, you know, showcasing himself to the Caps and the NHL at large that, you know, I'm a pretty decent player. He's kind of been a little bit hot and cold, but, you know, he stepped up and filled in on that center position. Is that your belief that this is Lars Eller's last year on the Caps? And do you think they would be best served to trade him before the deadline? I think they've liked a lot from what they've seen from Lars Eller this year. I mean, he's been fantastic in the faceoff circle, uh, really been making some plays with the stick as of late. I think he's been showing some impressive puck handling. He's, he's putting pucks on that. He's scoring goals. Uh, I think they've been really pleased with what they've seen from him this year. Plays on special teams. He's done a lot of different roles. I don't know if if he's necessarily in the plans moving forward, but certainly uh, with where their center position is at right now, I know that he was a healthy scratch a couple of weeks ago, but they were kind of pressed into making several different players a healthy scratch, including Dylan Strome, uh, which I don't think, you know, for either of those players, that was necessarily an indictment on either of them. It was more just the, the reality of the situation when you're adding Tom Wilson and Nicholas Backstrom back into the fray. So uh, they've got a lot of decisions with this roster. They've got many different players who are on expiring contracts with Lars Eller among them. So certainly it's going to be interesting to see what Brian McClellan does at the trade deadline because they have a, a lot of different ways this team could go. So it's got to be a bit frustrating for some of the players down in Hershey that are like, I'm finally going to get my opportunity. And then, oh, well, they got new deals. I'm talking most notably about Connor McMichael and, you know, Hendrick Slop here to a certain extent as well. Uh, do you think that's got to be a bit frustrating for them that, you know, to a certain extent, they got to kind of take a look at the roster and the contracts and probably try to envision themselves in future roles? Or do you think that they're just past that and they're just kind of you know, sticking to their work down in Hershey? Well, I mean, any time that, that a team is investing in players in front of you on the depth chart, uh, you're, you're going to have to, you know, that you have to either put more work in, change your position, you know, change your mindset, whatever it is. And I'm sure that, you know, that's something that's been a test for for guys like LaPierre and, and McMichael and, and Protus as well, who all three play center and, and the Capitals being very invested in that position. You know, I know McMichael especially prefers to play center over anything else. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they address that position. Do they try next year to get one of these guys in the rotation? I know LaPierre is probably not going to be called up this year just because he's getting his first full year at the AHL level. But but next season, if he shows enough promise, maybe he gets called up midway through the year. Maybe he makes it out of camp if he, he comes out. I know he had a pretty strong camp. Uh, this past year as well, it probably wasn't going to happen, him making it out of the, out of training camp. But certainly, uh, I think the Capitals have liked what they've seen from him developmentally. So 
you know, there, there's a lot, a lot of things that can happen. Injuries strike at any time, and especially with a team like the Capitals, who among the oldest in the NHL, you, you got to have that depth. So it, it might uh, be seen as a setback for guys like McMichael and LaPierre, but certainly for the Capitals organizationally, I think they have to be pretty happy with where they are uh, at those positions because they are, are pretty set for, you know, one, two, maybe even three injuries. All right, so after the break here, we're going to talk about the Caps. After a lukewarm January, what can we expect from this Caps team in the month of February? We'll talk about that next. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy. I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I wanted to see what the hype was about. Now I've been taking it for several months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to taking each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of these things. Now, I personally take it because I have young children at home, and if you have kids at home, maybe you can relate that you need that additional boost of energy. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugars, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting great. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up on the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this episode, we are joined once again by Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. So the Caps in the month of January were lukewarm, suffices to say, two kind of statement losses, I guess you could say, the Maple Leafs and the Golden Knights come to mind. It just seems like there was this positive momentum in the month of December, and then January came, and it didn't go quite according to script. So the first game that the Capitals play after this break is the Boston Bruins, a formidable opponent. Make no mistake about it. What are your thoughts about the Caps as they prepare to take on the Bruins? Yeah, you know, it, it's a tough sledding right out of the gate. I mean, they're going to be playing a back-to-back with the Bruins and the Sharks, and then they go Canes, Panthers, Canes, with the final game of that stretch being the Stadium Series game. So uh, it, it is right off the bat for, for the second half going to be tough sledding. Uh, the Capitals are going to resume practice on Thursday this week, so they get two days of practice leading up to the game, which I think is good. Uh, you you don't want to be you know a, a week plus uh, rested and, and not having any practices before jumping into a game like that against Boston. So uh, I, I think these games are going to be critical for this team. You know they're they're head, went into the All Star break holding uh, the top wild card spot in the East, but several teams really close behind them and having games in hand. So the Capitals really need every win they can get. Uh, they have among the fewest games uh, in the NHL in the month of February. So this is going to be a chance for some other teams uh, to climb up the standings a little bit, uh, you know, make up some of those games that they are behind them. 
Uh, so things could look a lot more tight by the end of February unless the Capitals can figure out how to get back to their December ways. You know, they, they didn't have Baxter and Wilson then. They're hoping to get Wilson back uh, from his lower body injury once break ends. Uh, and if he is back in the lineup, I think that'll be huge. Uh, Backstrom was starting to look a lot more comfortable in those last couple of games, scoring his first goal of the season uh, just before break. So I, I think that the Capitals are hoping that they can start to see, you know, these guys gel again. And uh, after a month of, of trying out different lineups and, and different configurations and getting guys comfortable with, with new new pairings, I think this is now time of where, okay, we need to see that start to turn into results. So I hate to put you on the spot here, Matt, but I'm going to do it anyway. So you are the head coach of the Capitals. They're playing the Bruins. Who are you starting in net? Charlie Lindgren or Darcy Kemper based on previous play? Who are you going with? I'm going with Darcy Kemper. I know that he he didn't finish the first half on the strongest of notes here, but uh, Kemper has been the Capitals' best goalie all season, even with the the hot stretch that Lindgren enjoyed. Uh, in the month of December, you look at their num- their body of work for the entire year, and I-, I think it's still Kemper has been the better of the two goalies this year. And and even if if it had been a little bit closer, I think that you know Kemper has that championship pedigree. He's leads the NHL in, in shutouts this year. He absolutely is capable of putting together a lights out performance uh, as much as anybody. And you know I think that the Capitals have to have a lot of confidence uh, in what he brings between the pipes. You know just his his history. Uh, his pedigree, being a Serena Stanley Cup champion. I mean, that's exactly what the Capitals were looking for when they, they brought him in. And I think he's absolutely lived up to his contract so far. So uh, I would say Kemper would be my guy. But certainly I would have confidence in Lindgren if he had to go. And because ultimately when you take a look at Kemper, when he was pulled, it's my belief that it had more to do about them looking for a momentum change uh, than the actual play uh, between the pipes. But if you, I mean, just taking a look back at that Golden Knights game, for example, I mean, that was a team that really kind of just threw the kitchen sink at the caps and they just folded under pressure. Uh, so the games that he was pulled in, again, is that your assessment that it was more of a momentum change than uh, them saying that he wasn't playing that well? Yeah, you know, the Caps weren't out of that game when he was pulled. I think there was still a chance for them uh, to make a comeback if they were able to get their offense going. Ultimately, they weren't um, and, and, you know, gave, gave up another goal down the stretch. But for sure, I think that, you know, it, there was a much problems in front of Kemper as there were, you know, him. You know, I think there were a couple of saves that he, he would have liked to have back for sure. I, I can remember one vividly of him just whiffing. Uh, with the glove and, and just kind of going right by his head, you know, a shot that he would tell you he stops 10 times out of 10. So uh, there, there were some mistakes, but there were also mistakes in front of him, several turnovers in, in bad positions to, to set up odd man rushes. And, uh, you know, what is Kemper going to do at that point? So I, I think you're right. It was a momentum thing, trying to, to light a fire underneath them and uh, turn things around. Didn't work out, but I think you still have a lot of confidence in Kemper moving forward. Uh, the thing for me, I guess, going forward for the remainder of the season is we're at crunch time. We're not at the point of the season where we got so much runway in front of us that, you know, we can go through a losing streak. If the Caps do not, you know, keep their foot on the gas for the remainder of the season, it could be put them in a tough position. Uh, say, say for some reason, Darcy Kemper does slide a little bit. I, It's my belief. I think the Caps have, at this point of the season, have got to go with the hot hand. I have no reason to believe that it's not going to be Kemper. But if for some reason he falters, do the Caps have to go all in on Charlie Lindgren to help him get that boost? Kind of similar to the 2018 season when Holpe faltered a little bit. They had Grubauer come in and save their butts. Is that what you think is going to be the case here as well? I mean, it, it just kind of depends. I think that Kemper, 
if he comes out and it has some, some slow outings here in the second half, I, I think it'll absolutely turn to Charlie Lindgren to, to make a start here. I mean, so far, the usage for Charlie Lindgren has been pretty much back-to-backs and facing his former teams. Like, that's right. kind of been pretty much the only time they've, they've turned to him. They gave him the start there at the last game of the first half uh, after Kemper had been pulled a couple of times. So, you know, just kind of give Kemper uh, a chance to reset going into the break. Uh, but for the most part, like I said, it, it's really only been back-to-back. So I would imagine that's how they're going to start the second half year, give Kemper as much run as possible. And if he really does start to struggle, like I said, you have a lot of confidence in Lindgren he showed in December uh, that he can be that guy if need be. Uh, so certainly if, if Kemper were to struggle, I think they give Lindgren a chance. And if he starts to to heat up and, and continue to play like he did in December, you know, it's definitely going to make some hard decisions for that Capitals front office. All right, Matt, I want to thank you once again for joining us on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Matt Weirich is, of course, from NBC Sports Washington. Uh, is there any articles that you're working on right now that we should know about? Or why don't you tell everyone where we can find your work? Yeah, you can check out all my stuff over at NBCSportsWashington.com. I'm on Twitter, at by Matt Weirich. And yeah, working on a, a few things on the, the Strom and Milano deals and, and looking ahead to the stadium series as well. Got a fun feature coming out next week about that. So, so definitely go and check that out. All right, Matt. Once again, thanks for joining us. It's always great to have you on Locked On Capitals. Once again, I want to thank you for joining us on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. My name is Dan Holmey, and I'll talk to you again next time.